0: What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown, and I just wanted to welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. We're closing out this month with our last episode for Mental Health Awareness Month. So I hope everybody has been taking care of themselves. Um, It's so important to do self-care. But while I got your attention, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your people, with me, um, I love to hear from y'all. Let me know what y'all think. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is the Art of Letting Go. Today, I have a special guest in the building—a very special guest. Um, this podcast would not be here without you allowing Alpha and I to record uh, at look like all hours of the night uh, <laughs> in your spare bedroom which is now Z's room. Yes. So thank you so much for giving us that space and uh yeah just allowing us to create this because yeah like it would not be here without that like there would not be any start of it so I really appreciate that. Um, Would you mind introducing yourself to the people?
1: Of course. So hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, I do want to point out that this is my first time on your show, even though you've been doing this for 18 billion years, 18 billion years. But I'm glad I made the cut. I feel special. Uh, (laughs) But my name is Karen Balungu bennett I am a licensed clinical social worker, therapist out of long beach california i am a school-based therapist by day and i have a growing private practice where i service adults Um, i'm also getting into some speaking and training as well so i'm just kind of going off on my own right now and loving every aspect of that as well Um, again thanks for having me i'm excited to be here
0: of course i appreciate you being here how are you doing today
1: I'm doing good. I feel like today I woke up really sluggish, but I still got up and I took my walk on the beach, which is something that I really needed to do for my own well-being, Um, and that really helped me kickstart, like, the rest of my day. Um, And then I got sluggish again and drank some coffee, and I felt better. (laughs) How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really good. Um, I have been taking my, because school and everything, like, work has been so busy, I've been taking my weekends to really, like, just take time to relax and just be. Um, Last week, I went to the beach and just took a day to be, not answer my phone, not look at my phone, just kind of just be there and be present. And it was probably one of the most beautiful days I've had in a really long time.
1: Good for you. Good for you. It's needed, huh?
0: Yeah. And it it makes me want to ask you, so we're having, just to let the listeners know, we're having a conversation about mental health, being at his mental health awareness month and just kind of talking about taking this time to be, I was curious to know, like, what does your self-care plan look like? Like, what do you do for self-care and what is, and before we go there, like, what is self-care?
1: Yes. I know. Cause self-care is like one of those terms right now that everyone uses, right? It's that new cliche term. Um, but I love it. I'm such a self-care advocate. Um, and so basically self-care is just made really taking that intentional act of caring for yourself, of really prioritizing your emotional wellness, your happiness, um, and your mental health. And so, Self-care can be as simple as making time for yourself in the morning every day to meditate, to pray. Um, It could be journaling. It can be physical as far as exercising, taking a walk. But it's really about being intentional and it should be something that is for your overall wellness, making you happy. And so to answer the second part of your question, I like to do all of the above, <laughs> but definitely I, I like to walk, I like to hike. Nature makes me so happy. It's part of my self-care routine. I, I meditate, I pray, I journal, listen to music. Um, there's so many different things I do, breathing techniques. Um, and the whole idea is basically to have like a mental toolbox or like a coping skill toolbox and you can pull from the different self-care activities. Um, but really, I think the most important thing with self-care should be a part of your lifestyle, right? So the more you do it and the more that you make it part of your lifestyle, then when stressful situations happen or things that make you anxious occur, your self-care routine should be there to help um, just calm you. It should be something that you've been doing on a daily basis or weekly basis to really help you monitor those um, stressful and anxious situations.
0: That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, when did you, when do you feel like you had that moment of like being becoming aware of like having to take care of yourself?
1: Hmm, that's a great question. I definitely think it was gradual. It did not happen overnight. Um I wanna say I used to work for LA County. And um, that was like my first job after I got my degree, and I worked for LA County. And I was working basically like two jobs. So I was working daytime as um, a therapist in a community agency, and then in the evening I was working with what they call the PET team or PMRT, which is basically like the psychiatric emergency team. So if you know you or someone you know is experiencing a psychiatric emergency there's a hotline in the county that you would call and therapists will go out, evaluate you and decide if you need to go see a hospital or we see a doctor and go to the hospital and be placed on a hold. But I was basically doing like a regular eight hour shift and then doing that. And that could be up to another eight hours, six hours. You never know. So I was really just starting to figure out, I was starting to experience burnout. I was starting to feel really exhausted and so I knew that I needed to start taking care of myself, but it was definitely gradual because I think we live in a society where it's like you got to produce, you got to work, you got to you know be productive. And so I had to really start slowing down and really starting to look at and redefine what productivity meant. And resting and taking care of myself was productive.
0: <laughs> I think the pandemic taught me that. Um, in a, in a pandemic, mm-hmm because I was moving so much to have to sit still, I almost felt worthless at one point and I had mm-hmm. to find my value. Like, you know, my value is not based on, like you said, producing. What am I doing? What am I doing? Right. Like, my my being and my existence is valuable enough.
1: hmm mm-hmm. And I love that because I think that happened to so many people, Mike. I feel like we just the society all together we really do celebrate accomplishments and that's great but we need to celebrate people resting and not just say it's lazy right because we started we've internalized that like you didn't just get that from out of nowhere that's something that you've internalized since probably childhood and so now it's a whole pandemic the whole world shut down and you don't feel good about yourself when really it's like no, I'm supposed to rest. I'm supposed to be healthy. I'm supposed to take precautions. but we're just so used to moving. So I think so many people felt that way. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's, that was not isolated at all. That's very, very common.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like now taking those days to slow down, like that's exactly what they feel like. Like it doesn't feel like a quote unquote lazy day. Like is is really me having to just be before before I run out of gas
1: absolutely and that's what self-care is like so many times in growing up I don't know about your household but my household like rest was earned rest wasn't like a privilege rest wasn't a part of like just your life and so now I become an adult and I'm thinking like I have to earn rest and then in my mind I don't earn rest until I burn out and I'm sick and it's like oh I'm sick I better go sit down no, if I would have been resting all along and taking care of myself, then maybe I wouldn't have burned myself out and gotten sick. Or for me, I get migraines or have this terrible migraine. now I'm shut down for two days. That's not resting. That's taking care of my migraine let my body heal. You know, that's not rest. Rest is intentional. Right. Like rest is something like self-care is intentional.
0: And it's funny you say that because. When you, when you said about the household, I thought of, I tried to think about like what my parents would do to rest and I almost feel like they would work to exhaustion and then just like they would be so tired that they would just be tired and just fall asleep, but it wouldn't be like intentional, like I'm taking a break. Like they would just work, work, work and then be exhausted at the end of it.
1: Absolutely. That's definitely what I saw. I never, I really thought about it. I did like another a meeting with someone, I was thinking about. It. I even tapped in and talked to my mom. Like, what did you used to do for rest? And she's kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, well, you were raising all these kids. You were working. You were, you know, cooking for the house. Like, when did when did you rest? And she was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, man, like we really, I didn't really see it. Yeah, I did not see it. And so now we have to really be intentional about it. We have to really be like, okay, this is something that my body needs and my mind needs. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to change the way I look at it and the way I view myself when I rest. I'm so glad you said that, Mike. And I'm so glad you're in a different like place, right? Like the pandemic, we've been locked down for a year. And now at the end of this year, or you know, for the last whatever 13 months, but you're now in a place where you're like, okay, no, resting is cool. I need to rest. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah.
0: That's what's up. Um, I wanted to throw a user, qu- uh, a user. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the internet. User question. No, listener <laughs> question. Um, Because I have my, my listeners send some questions in on Instagram. Shout out to listeners. But someone asked, when do they know they need therapy? And why? Because they were saying that sometimes they feel like they want to go, but then they'll feel like they're doing okay. So they feel like they don't need it. But I guess, why why would they need to go to therapy and when would they know they need to go?
1: That's a good question, because I think so many of us think that it has to be like something specific, like something has to happen. Um, but I've had people come to therapy and just be like, you know, I, I want to give it a try. And so I'm like, okay, well, what are some things you want to work on? What are some goals that you have? What are some things that you want to do differently? Like the therapist can help you explore that. So I feel like if you are questioning it, if you think that um, it can benefit you, then it doesn't hurt to give it a try. It may not be this aha moment. It really could just be a life transition. It could be the fact that you feel a little stuck, you know? Um, but I don't really feel like it's there's always this aha moment that something major has to happen in order for someone to seek therapy.
0: I feel like the therapy kind of brings out that aha moment. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you might be talking about something that has nothing to do with absolutely nothing, and be like, "Whoa, <laughs> I didn't know! I didn't know that I was like this because of this." So I'll give you a story. I used to get sad when it would rain. Like anytime it would rain, mm. I would just feel terrible. And I never understood why. And my therapist asked me, well, what's the earliest memory you have of being sad in the rain? Mm. And I thought about it like during, during you know, because during that week of like, especially if you go once a week, you get like a week of just like reflecting and just in your thoughts.
1: <laughs> Absolutely
0: absolutely I'm thinking about it and it rained one day and actually this was during the pandemic oh this was mm. during the pandemic it rained so I'm stand out in the rain I'm like why don't I like this why does this affect me so much and I thought about a birthday that and it could have been like 11 or 12 but it was raining my parents both had to work and me and my sister were home alone and I didn't have any Mm. gifts laid out and I was sad Mm. and I was like am I really holding on to that experience like is that experience is what is holding me back from the Mm. rain and when I thought Mm. about it I was like I have to let this shit go and I now I enjoy Mm. the rain the rain is like really peaceful for me now
1: nice (laughs) nice nice I love it though but we have to sometimes dig deep. in that inner child, those experiences, they definitely resurface. And like you said, you may not really tap into it. You just have the feeling associated with it. But you're not sure why you feel the way that you feel. That's amazing. Yeah. It's such a breakthrough.
0: And that makes me want to ask you, does that inner child ever really go away? Like, do we ever stop being that inner child?
1: So in my personal opinion, I would say no, as far as those are experiences. um, They don't go away. But when you do that inner child work, the idea is that now we know how to manage those feelings. We're aware of them. We're aware of what happened, the experiences we had. We're now aware of why we feel a certain way now as an adult when certain things happen, and now we can manage it. So the impact, of that unhealed inner child will definitely minimize, right? Um, The more we know how to manage and the more we're aware of how that stuff is now manifesting, you know, in our adulthood. So the thing about it is it may still creep up. We may do really well. And that's the thing with therapy and just this whole self-improvement and this work that we do. We can learn the tools, But we all have bad days. Like, you know, some days you may be feeling really well and you can figure it out and use your coping skills and you're good. But that inner child is there. You know, it's still there. And as much as we do the work, there's still days that we may have really tough time being able to use our coping skills and to be able to handle a situation that like triggers us to that childhood memory. Wow. That's a trip. Mm. Mhm. It's a lot of work. I just I always say that like people who are working on themselves, it's a lot. It's not easy. We're the real MVPs to say I want to better, you know, I want to improve myself. Like yeah. that's a lot of work. It's constant work and we we should be allowed to even take a break from that because any job you have, you get days off. Any job you have, you should be getting vacation time, you know? So it's like even this, this is work. And so sometimes it's okay just to take a, a break. Um, from trying to improve ourselves, trying to heal, we need a break from that as well.
0: Yeah. As a therapist, do you have a therapist?
1: Right now I don't, but I'm searching for a new one. Yes, yeah. so I know that a lot of therapists, there's, there's therapists out there that feel like 100% every therapist should be in therapy. I don't necessarily feel like 100% every therapist should be in therapy for period. Because as a therapist, this your career is like 40 years, you know, so like, I don't really know if you need to be in therapy for 40 years. Mm. Um, as, a, as a therapist, I'm trying to support people and help them get to a place where they may not need therapy consistently. But I kind of have an open door policy. So I'll stop seeing people. But, you know, in a year, maybe you're going through a hard time and you'll check back in with me. And I'll try to make room. I always try to make room for my former clients. So I'll try to make room for you, maybe see you for now a month or two, and then you you take a break again. And that's okay. Um, So that's kind of how I feel about therapists. I feel like they should be open to receiving therapy. When they need it, they should go. And I feel like I've had a lot of life transitions recently. And I think that'll be good for me to speak to someone and to process through some things I'm trying to process. But my plan isn't to be with that person for years, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can resolve some things and, and I can meet some of my goals and, you know, I could take a break from it. And if I need, again, I need to be open and willing and flexible to return to it.
0: I like that. And, um, like what we're talking about now is something that is interesting to me. And I got a, a lot of questions about it as well, but, connecting with the therapist. Um, a lot of people tell me they have a really hard time connecting with the therapist, especially people of color connecting with the therapist that is white or you know just total opposite of what they are. Um, what advice would you give to someone as far as like, I guess, one, being in, in that situation and if they don't connect with someone, like how to connect with your therapist?
1: Yeah, I think that you should definitely be open with the therapist when you are trying to consult. So most therapists will offer like a 10 minute, 15 minute phone consultation. Um, and that's where you can state what you're looking for, what you're interested in, what you would like to get from them. So I think that if you're going in there and you know maybe culture issues are something you wanna work on, racial issues, gender, sexuality, then maybe it is important for you to pick someone that um, either understands that because of their background or has a lot of experience working with individuals from that, you know, that has those issues that they want to work through. But um, I do think that people of color feel more comfortable working with other people of color. I know me personally, I I attract women in general. So women of all races, and then I attract people of color as well. So, um, that's what I kind of bring in. I don't, I don't, I think I've had maybe one white male reach out and that was insurance. So they placed them with me. That wasn't like them looking, calling me, you know, on their own. Um, but for the most part, I get like 20 and 30 year olds who are black or people of color. So I think that also it's important for us to know that, you know, therapy is supposed to be for you. So if you go into a therapy session, and you're not feeling comfortable, you don't have to keep going and seeing that person. I always recommend giving that person like two or three sh- sessions because a lot of what we see in the media and like on, in Hollywood is that, you know, that first session is going to be a breakthrough and you're going to connect. And so people are looking for that. That may not be the case. It may take two or three sessions before you feel a connection. So if you don't feel a connection after two or three sessions, then I do think it's a good idea to maybe keep shopping around
0: yeah um a piece of advice that you you know James
1: uh yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so a piece of advice he gave me because I remember my first therapist I did not connect to her at all like I was very uncomfortable with her and he asked me he was like did you tell her that and (laughs) initially it was so scary for me to like want to even tell the therapist like hey I'm uncomfortable with you but I ended up doing it and uh it made me explore like why am I scared to tell this person that I'm paying Mm. that I'm uncomfortable with them
1: (laughs) exactly 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 and how did it go after that after you shared that with the therapist what happened
0: she asked me why was I uncomfortable and I had to answer why I was uncomfortable and (laughs) I recognized I had expectations of what it was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I had to learn like it it wasn't what I was seeing on TV. I wasn't laying on a couch and like <laughs> you know, sharing all my problems and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I mean, I was just speak. I, I think I needed the space to speak because so many people, a lot of people come to me for for like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people rely on me. And um mm-hmm. I appreciate it but a lot of times being that person I don't always feel the space to share that with people so yeah. like for me to have a space where I can you know almost like emotionally dump everything
1: mm-hmm.
0: it gives me the capacity to have for other people
1: That's amazing That's amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to even work through that with (laughs) a therapist, because I've had no seriously, like I've had people ghost me as a therapist, you know, and I don't always I don't think it was 100 percent connection. Um, I think that there's something that happens, too, when people do connect with me or just in general, you connect with your therapist and you're so vulnerable and you're so raw. And then you leave there and that open wound, you're like, oh my gosh, I just shared so much. And then it's like this weirdness. So that's happened a couple of times where I'm just, and I'll even like send a follow-up email and, and I got one person to come back and they are like, yeah, like, I just kind of felt like I told you way too much. And I just didn't know what to do with that. Like I felt so comfortable that I told you too much. And then I left them like, no, I told this person too much. So there are things that we have to work through. And that's why I always say two or three sessions, because I welcome the honesty in my practice. Like, I want you to tell me things. I want you to understand too that what you see in Hollywood and the movies is not it. Um, and I try to have that conversation very on because yeah, the expectations are there. Like, how, how could they not be there?
0: Yeah. And it's funny you say that because something that I thought about as you were talking was the other side of somebody running from you is somebody feeling so connected to you that they don't want to leave you as a therapist. And I think that's been one of my biggest issues in therapy. And I'm still trying to figure out is when do you know when it's time to, I guess, move on from a therapist? Because granted, the person is a a therapist. They're also a person. And at some point you're like connecting to this person. And granted, uh, as a therapist, you know, you have to have these boundaries set sometimes you may accidentally show human emotion you know what i mean and and the person connects and we connect as people and for me that's been my biggest thing like i never know when to leave a therapist like like sometimes it'll feel outgrown does that make sense
1: yes and i think that's so common mike it happens so often because we all are people who are trying to grow and heal and we like, for instance, I feel like I do attract people who yeah, would be my friends in real life or my, men, my mentees in real life, you know, if they're like younger than me. So I definitely attract people like that, people I would completely go to brunch with and hang out with. But it is for me, I am more of like a solution focused um, and like, goal oriented therapist. So meaning that we do come in and we set goals. And I try to bring you to those goals within like six months to a year. So my goal is to try to have you out of therapy within six months to a year, out of consistent therapy. Let me say that, out of consistent either weekly by weekly therapy. Like I mentioned, I have an open door policy and I'll really try my best to make space for for former clients. So a lot of times, because I do it that way and we do check-ins like, hey, I know this was one of your goals. It really seems like you're moving forward in this direction. Like, what do you think? How do you feel about this? How do you know you're going in this area? We kind of come to that closure together often. Like I, I just about everyone, unless I have one situation recently, unfortunately, where we met some of the goals, but her insurance ran out. Mm. And so we had to kind of like readjust and support her in a different way. But for the most part, because we have been, we've been focusing on the goals and following along, by the time they kind of, A lot of times they come to that conclusion. Like, you know what? I'm feeling better. Like I have these goals. I feel better. And if something comes up, I'll contact you. And so for me, that's how that works. But I definitely understand what you're saying, because I do know, even talking to other therapist friends and talking to friends who've been in therapy, if sometimes it gets a little blurred because there is this comfort now, and I am comfortable going to you and, um, I can always benefit from it. I can always benefit from processing and talking about how I feel. Like there's never, that's never not going to be a benefit, you know? But for me personally, my goal is to help move people through the process so that it's not as consistent. It doesn't mean you never will go back. It doesn't mean you never go back at a consistent pace either, but -hmm. just like take a break from it and try to practice the tools on your own and if you need to tap back into me, I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm here to support you.
0: There's some, and I can't speak for other people, but like, as I'm listening to you for myself, I'm like, damn, there's kind of some fear there. And like, because I've gone to therapy so consistent that, you know, maybe I may not need it right now. And there's also some fear of like, but if I don't have it,
1: am I going to be working
0: on things? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But then that's why I think it's important to do gradual. So I'll do gradual. We'll go from like weekly to bi-weekly, maybe even every three weeks. So once a month to how about we do a check in in a, in a month or two? You know, you send me an email or I'll send you an email. I know you have this life transition going on. Let's check in. And so I think at least so far. In my private practice, because working in the school is different. I see students for a semester, for a school year, and maybe even for multiple school years in some situations. But my private practice, I feel like that gradual transition helps people still feel safe, like she's still there. And then I always, like, when we're finally like, okay, this is like our last session, I always say like, for now, like, if you want to come back in a few months, in a few weeks, like, you let me know. But I think that gives them a little bit of comfort. There is, but what you're talking about, it's real. Yeah. I see it. And I worry about it too, even as a therapist on this hand, I'm just like, you know, like I want to let them know that they, like, you got it. But the part of me too is like, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm there. Like I'm there to support you still. So it's a relationship. It's a relationship that's formed. But the idea is not to create codependency, right? The idea is to help this individual become, um, independent, confident, and to really be able to stand on their own if their therapist is there or not.
0: Yeah. I think for me, in my case, like I've I've always had a hard time like letting go of people and um, Mm -hmm. like having to let go of a therapist for me still felt like I was having to let go of a person. So it's like, it's been about three therapists where I cried after like... (laughs) yeah real talk there it is yeah um yeah that's that's so wild that's so wild it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to practice Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you're right and I just love that the reality of it like it is it's a real relationship it's hard to close any chapter and I think that's why it's for me too it's hard like I don't want to even say like I'm never gonna see you again even as a therapist that's my own issue too so I think that's part of my whole like I'm gonna have an open door policy I'll figure it out like I may have a full caseload but I'll always try to make room for you even if it's not I can't see you again every single week for the next three months like if we have to do some pop-ins here and there and eventually maybe I refer you to someone else like we will figure it out but you know I try to make myself available because it is hard
0: is there such thing as too honest in therapy? Like, can you share too much or like, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I've heard a lot of things in therapy. I've heard a lot of different things. I've worked in a lot of different populations. So um I've really heard a lot and I feel like sometimes people are really hesitant to share and I have to let them know. I've heard a lot of stuff, so don't feel like you can't share. Um, I do think that when it comes to sharing, yeah, I think when it comes to sharing about yourself, no, I don't think that you can be too honest in therapy. I don't.
0: How, as as a, I guess, as a client of a therapist, what advice would you have for a client that would help them fight through shame of sharing things? So this is gonna be a two. So I'll ask this question first because I have another question. Okay. Or actually, I'll ask. Okay. So I don't forget. But <laughs> how? Um. What advice would you give to a client to help them get over shame in sharing things and? what advice would you give to a therapist in creating a safe space for people to share things that they may feel shame in?
1: Absolutely. I think that it's important for the client to feel comfortable. You don't have to rush the process. It should be something that is genuine. You should definitely feel Connected, you should feel safe. And we'll talk about the other end, you know, how they can make you feel safe, but you should feel safe. And you should feel like your therapist isn't judgmental. And it shouldn't just be, it should be because of what they're showing you. Your, your therapist should be showing you and making you feel away. And I think that um, you can ask questions, you can tread lightly, you know, you don't have to rush into sharing everything. But I think it's important to, as a client, to remember that they're trained professionals. They've heard and seen a lot and they're also human. They're also human. A lot of the things that people come into my office, like it's not about me. So I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, girl. Yeah. I, I dealt with that too. I dealt with that. Too. You know what I mean? But a lot of times it's not, sometimes your therapist has experienced what you're going through, if not more. Um, so I think that the trained professional part and they're human is really important. Yeah, And then you know, on the other end, as a therapist, I think that you have to show your humanness. So I do like a more relaxed environment. Um, you know, therapy is not about the, the therapist sharing all their business and like, woe is me. But I do look for opportunities where I can let the person know, like, hey, I got it. Like, I, I connect. You know, and it could be like a short one minute s- story, but it can just let the person know, like, okay they kind of understand what I'm going through. And so in school, they tell us, don't self-dispose, don't share, don't share. But now we're kind of in this new wave, especially with social media, where therapists are trying to share aspects of their life. And I think that it helps for that vulnerability. It helps for people to feel safe um, when they know that their therapist does get it to some degree. So I think as a therapist, that's kind of how you can create some of that, that space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, I have another listener question. Uh, Okay, can you heal all of your trauma?
1: Hmm. Can you heal all of your trauma? I think that healing is gradual. I think that it is linear. It's a process, but I do think that because we live in a world where we can get triggered. Um, things can always come up, so your traumatic experience never goes away, but I do think that with healing and with doing the work, you can get to a place where those triggers don't impact you the same way they used to impact you, so you can get to a place where it could almost feel like it's completely gone and it's healed but i don't I would say that not necessarily because it's always there. There's, it's always there. You just gotten to a place where you built so many tools that these situa- these things that are happening, these triggers, aren't really impacting you to the same degree. Yeah. Do you feel like
0: there is a difference in doing therapy in person and virtually? Like, Do you get the same, I guess, benefits of doing it, whether it be virtual or in person? Or is there more in one space?
1: I prefer in-person therapy. I miss it. I love it. I love being in that space with my clients. I feel like body language tells me a lot. I feel like I could see the the foot, you know, shaking. Um, I could see all the shifting. So I definitely, and I just feel like I can be more vulnerable. They can see me too. They can see me leaning forward. They can just kind of feel my energy. So I, I believe in energy. I feel like, you know what I mean? So I like that in-person saying I miss it. Um, But virtual is still good. Virtual is still impactful. Um, virt- so I haven't started with any new clients virtually though. So my virtual clients have been people that I've already had on. So I'm hearing though from other therapists that, it is different. You know, you have to build, building rapport takes longer because it is this whole virtual setting. But I also do, I don't know if you've heard of um, like the talks, like Talkspace, but it's basically like a texting yeah, therapy or messaging therapy. So I do that on the side as well. And at first I was hesitant to try it, but I wanted to try something different. And um, it's a different way to build rapport. So all of my clients on Talkspace you can pay for virtual sessions and have telemental health but none of my clients right now are paying for that they're just doing the messaging and so it does take longer to build rapport but um it's a different type of therapy and i do see the benefits of it
0: that's what's up yeah i, I think i think the non-traditional ways like people could benefit from I've, I've always talked to like my friends that are in therapy i've always told them like i really think bar therapy would like work like i think if you took somebody mm. to a bar maybe had a and, and i don't know like how legal that would be to have a drink with <laughs> someone but just to have a conversation with somebody in a bar like yeah. open up a lot in bars so I, I would be interested to see what that would look like in the future
1: No, but you're right, because even when I work for the county, um, and I I do the same thing at the school, but when I worked for the county, I did community mental health. So I'm going into people's homes and doing therapy. And sometimes when they would come to the clinic, if they were just a little more anxious, just not as comfortable, we would walk and talk. And so you're absolutely right. Like therapy um, doesn't have to be that conventional in the office, sitting across from each other, looking each other dead in the eyes. Like for some people, they don't really roll with that. They don't like it. So I do agree with you. You're right. I can't drink and talk to my clients, but I get what you're saying. Like that barbs, relaxed, just chilling environment. I do think that it's very beneficial.
0: Yeah. Like, or even like playing a basketball game with somebody then after just having a conversation with them.
1: <laughs> yes. No, you're right. And that's what I love about school. That's like, I don't do children in my private practice. But at working in the school, yeah, like I just walk and talk with them. I'll engage them. And I don't know, checkers, like, you know, like it's just a different playful environment. So virtual has been really difficult because a lot of the students were used to being there and like playing and talking and, you know, you do therapy as you're having a good time doing something else. So you're right. There's so many benefits to it. It doesn't have to be that westernized. So it doesn't like, it's cool. I like it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but even with some of my clients now, if they're not as comfortable, we do more like, um, activities in the, in the session, maybe more worksheets together, or I use more like graphs or pictures. I engage them differently because I realize that they're not to the, put their feet up. I just want to talk to you, Karen, you know, like, so I just have to gauge that too sometimes.
0: That's what's up. I got three more questions for you. And then I have another segment. Um, the first question is: What would you say to anyone that's just getting into therapy, thinking about going into therapy, like somebody that just wants to, I guess, try it out for themselves? What advice would you give them?
1: Do it. <laughs> to do it. Go for it. Do like just give it. You if you have insurance, if you have. Um, Employment Assistance Program, EAP. You can get like six free sessions through your job. You can get um, insurance. If you have insurance, you can go through your insurance. You don't have to pay for it because therapy is expensive. And oftentimes people do come out the pocket because private practice clinicians like myself, we don't always take out of insurances because it's just a lot to manage. So if you can find someone and just do like a few sessions just to figure out for yourself what it's all about, but I think you should do it. There's so many different platforms that you can look on. There's Psychology Today. There's Therapy for Black Girls, your insurance provider. You can just find a therapist and see if you could do a few few sessions. But you're not going to know if it's for you or not if you don't give it a try.
0: I agree. Um, What advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Hmm... Dang, Mike! Why did I bring up my younger self? Why? You bring, <laughs> why you gotta bring up my younger self? Okay, child. There's a lot of advice I'd give her. Um, I think my first advice to my younger self would probably be to tap into my vulnerability a lot sooner. I've shared this, and I'll keep sharing it. Um. I didn't grow up in a very vulnerable household and it wasn't until I got to college and moved away from my family that I was like seeing other people in my life, very vulnerable and affectionate. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. She told her mom, I love her and hung up the phone. Like that's dope. I want to tell my mom, I love her, you know? And so I started to work on it, you know, in like my twenties. But I just wish that that was something that I was able to tap into a little bit younger because vulnerability is huge it plays out in so many different dynamics that plays out in just your own personal growth um your ability to connect with people your ability to be transparent your confidence um so yeah I think that that's where I would start is child you could be vulnerable it's okay you can cry you can shed a tear too like you still a thug you know but you can still cry (laughs) (laughs) thugs cry okay they may cry in the shower when nobody's looking but they cry (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: and my last question is what is a reminder that you would like to give to your future self
1: Mm, have fun don't be so hard on yourself I think that would be my reminder to my future self because right now I'm in this space of self-care, making sure I'm, I'm taking care of myself, I'm trying to have a good time, finding that whole balance between everything. But I know that I can be the type of person that work, work, works and forgets about myself. So it, I have to be very mindful to prioritize my wellness prioritize myself and yes mental health is may or may is mental health awareness month but our mental health needs to be prioritized 12 months out of the year so yes
0: that's what's up so our next segment is sponsored by feel free to feel free and this is called the five questions of freedom. So I'm going to ask you five questions and you can answer them any way that you like. Okay. Um. What has been your most ridiculous pandemic purchase?
1: Ridiculous, ridiculous like a bad way or a good way?
0: Anyway. Like what's one thing that I'm you sure. purchased... And be like,
1: ah, I didn't need that. Oh, my gosh. Okay, because I haven't really been doing too much purchasing. So I'm thinking like, okay, well, okay. Me or the husband that I live with? Because he <laughs> he purchased a new TV and I didn't think we needed a new TV. And after we got out, I was like, we don't need it, we don't need it. And now it grew up. I mean, I'm like, okay, now I like this new TV. But... I felt like that was just like, we in the house, we not doing nothing, we need a new TV, but our TV worked just fine, and it was, yeah, so I would blame him, the TV, I like it now, but <laughs> I guess it worked out. <laughs> um, Beyonce or Ariana? Okay, so I love them both, but Beyonce is my girl, so Beyonce, all day.
0: Okay. If you could have a conversation with anyone, who would it be?
1: Dead or alive?
0: Dead or alive.
1: Nelson Mandela. Okay. That's always been the person I would like to speak to. Yeah. Okay. Why Nelson Mandela? Gosh. I just think he's fascinating. I think he just endured so much. I just think he just he's a rebel. Like just everything about him I just was always just so fascinated about Nelson Mandela and I just always was like I want to meet him I want to meet him I was like a kid and then when he died I was like oh my gosh like I'm never gonna have a chance to meet Nelson Mandela so I just feel like he could probably just tell you like a story and just have your mouth like what like that happened and y'all you know so yeah definitely and just all his just his heart was so big he just cared about his people so much you know like just was at war for his people, was willing to die for his people. Um, and it's just, his story is just amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, working with kids or working with adults?
1: Mm. Okay. So this is a hard one because I love both. And really adults to me are just big kids, honestly. Like there's not that much difference between the two, in my opinion. I think like I'm still a big kid. But adult, but children like kids just keep me young, especially teenagers. Teenagers keep me young. In the middle of a therapy session, they'll teach me a new TikTok band. Like they just keep, <laughs> they keep they tell me new slang. So I just feel like I can't get rid of my teenagers. My teenagers, I have to keep them around. <laughs> That's
0: what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> and my last question. If I weren't a therapist, I would be blank.
1: Oh my goodness. I'll just be a stay at home mom taking care of this baby. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's one of them. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't know if I wasn't a therapist. I just feel like I wanted to be a therapist since I was like 14. I'm one of those people, you know? Like I knew that it was uh, this, uh, this is actually funny. It was either therapy or like an actress. Very different to me. I don't know how, like, And I don't even really have acting skills, but I just thought that like I could be an actress, um, or a therapist, like literally since I was 14. So, and then I just was like, okay, well, I want to stay home and raise kids and have like a little business here and there. What the business was going to be. I don't know, but I just made that up in my head. So so that's the answer. I don't know. (laughs) That's what's up. That's what's up.
0: Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um. I know for a fact, I'm gonna have to bring you back because I feel like people are gonna reach out with a lot of questions. So definitely looking forward to that. But can you please let the people know where they can find you?
1: Yes, I would be happy to come back. You can find me on Instagram at Karen the Therapist um right now i'm not taking clients but i always support people if they reach out and i try to link you to other therapists so you can find me at karen bennett therapy at gmail my website is under construction right now so it is karen the but it's under construction so instagram is the best way
0: that's what's up that's what's up karen thank you so much for coming on the show
1: Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. Let's keep spreading all this awareness. Please continue to prioritize your mental health. I'm so happy you're doing this. This is self-care. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Karen. And thank y'all for listening. This is Mike Brown. And this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. Bye. Thank y'all for tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. If you enjoy what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Also, leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Let other people know what you think. Um, I got a phone line. If y'all want to reach out, hit me up. That number is 213-394-2773. Art of Letting Go podcast. Website is coming soon where you could buy merch. Support the podcast all in one space. I know we got a lot of links everywhere, but thank y'all so much for tuning in, being here with me every week. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Peace.